The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So over the last few weeks we've been exploring the metta practice and um, I did a little bit of a recap in the, the beginning of the guided meditation just about how the practice kind of functions using thoughts and intentions to uh, kind of see what happens as you express those thoughts. How, did that, how does that land? And to me this really um, points to, speaks to how thoughts are very impactful for us. When thoughts come into our mind, they have an effect. And we can um, notice that effect with mindfulness. We can also begin to um, consciously put thoughts into our mind and notice the effect of those thoughts. And that can begin to shape our mind in the direction of the expression that those thoughts have. So the wishes of kindness, may you be happy. It, uh, we, we, we notice the effect that thought has. And if we're connecting to that thought with the kind of intention, the kind of sense of, um, it's almost like the wish that the feeling of loving kindness may grow in my heart. May I express this wish with true kindness, with true connection, with true care. And so it may not be feeling that way at first, but that uh, kind of the repetition in a way of that wish begins to affect us when we are doing it with this intention. And so each, each thought, each wish, each expression can be kind of a little drop of intention towards, it's almost like we're adding a little bit, may I wish, may I have the genuine wish for you to be happy so that 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 care and connection um, can begin to grow. Um, As we do this, as I kind of mentioned, you know, we we kind of find things that are in the way of metta. The last time I was here, I described this as kind of like you're exploring this, uh, this, this house and it's got all these closets that have been closed off for a while and you're going into a closet This closet represents kind of your relationship with your friend with respect to um, this well-wishing. We don't often consciously bring our well-wishing into mind around our individual relationships. Maybe at times we do, but but, um, to to kind of like uh, consciously reflect on her wish. Oh yeah, may you be happy. I was um, I was in doing this with my with one of my friends this morning. It was like I was going, oh yeah, there are these things kind of in the way. Still a little like yeah, I can. It's like okay, yeah, I can put those aside and just you know reflect on that I do genuinely care about them. So these things that we see that are in the way, it's like we're going into a closet with this metta practice and it's like, what's in this like cobwebby, you know, closet? Things have been stored in there for years, not consciously looked at. So we get to see what's in there. So it's not a mistake when there's something that um, feels different from metta. 
like last week, last time, uh, I talked about what we call the near and far enemies of metta. That um, often when we're doing the metta practice, that's what comes up. The near enemy is something that is kind of like metta, a kind of a connected, caring love, but has some kind of demand or wish. It's kind of attachment. There's an attachment there. It's not simply, may you be happy, no strings attached. There's some kind of, well, may you be happy if you give me what I need or what I want. So that, that, um, that can come up that we see it's not just that there it's not just this may you be happy it's yeah may you be happy and may you give me something back so that's something that sometimes comes up and another the other side the far enemy also comes up the, the what we're not going to mistake for metta it's often a flavor of some kind of aversion irritation or annoyance it could be on the milder side sometimes full out anger or, um, or rage, especially as we move towards opening our hearts towards somebody who is difficult for us. As we, we do in this practice, we bring different categories of beings and we eventually will get to the difficult being probably next week. We'll explore that a little bit. And so the, those, those things in the way also. And the last time I talked about when these things come up, again, it's, this is actually part of the function of metta practice. It draws into consciousness those things that are in the way of the open-hearted, unconditional, caring connection. We all have these things. It's, it's conditioned into us. And, and yet if it, if it just stays below the surface, not in our conscious awareness, those you know, subtle grinchy annoyances and irritations kind of affect us without our being aware of them. And bringing them into consciousness, we can at least know they're there and potentially like say, yep, I see that you're there and I have this genuine care, so can I engage with this person more from the side of the caring and know that that irritation is there? And so it's, it's like opening our hearts to hold both. We're not in the metta practice trying to deny anything. We're not trying to deny that these um, things have been there because, you know, sometimes those um, irritations and annoyances actually reflect some discernment. You know, they reflect that perhaps your friend engaged unskillfully sometime. And we're not trying to push those aside, but we're also wanting to hold that, know that that was there, and, it's the, it's the and of these two, and wish them well. So, you know, that's, that's a little recap of what we explored the last time. And this time we brought in the neutral person, and um, th- this one, it, it's, it's worth exploring a little bit, kind of the differences. I'm curious, just, just through a raise of hands, did you notice a kind of a difference or a shift in moving to bringing someone into your mind that you don't know well? A different quality to the, to the um, expression of the wishes of metta and what you felt. Was, it, it was, was there a difference there? So yeah, some nods in the head. Yeah, it's, 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 so this is also expressive of, or, or kind of showing us how thoughts in our mind will shape different experiences for us. 
So we bring a dear friend to mind and express these wishes. There's one experience that happens in our, I, I, for us. And we can be aware of that. And we bring a, somebody we don't know to mind. And a different kind of experience. So bringing a neutral person into mind is actually kind of a turning point in the metta practice because ultimately this metta practice begins to, uh, you know, over time we move to the wish for may all beings everywhere be happy. This unconditional wish towards uh, well-being, health, happiness for all beings everywhere. This is kind of the, this is the direction that the teachings in the, in the suttas, the suttas, when the Buddha taught metta practice, this is how he taught it. He taught it to wish for all beings in all directions. The, the more um, uh, kind of staged practice that we're doing, which I think is, is really brilliant. I mean, when I try to just you know, when it's starting the metta practice, just trying to open to all beings. Well, I could kind of, but, but you know, it was kind of just all in my head. It wasn't very specific. And as we bring in specific beings, it's like sometimes people say, yeah, I can wish metta for all beings, but bring in this particular person? Mm, maybe not. Maybe everybody but that person I could wish well for. And so the, the bringing in specific beings helps us to see where that wish for that all beings may be happy has a little bit of delusion in it. Yeah, I can wish everybody to be happy. And then we bring in our, um, you know, our uncle, our difficult uncle. And, well, maybe not him, you know. So, so the this bringing in specific beings, which is... a um, a practice that was probably around before the time of the Buddha and is mentioned in the, in the commentaries, is mentioned in the, the, the text, the associative text. This practice is d- well described in the, in the commentaries. Helps us to kind of step into this possibility of wishing well for all beings. And the neutral person is kind of a representative or a stand-in for all beings. You know, it's like the, the most of the vast majority of beings on this planet, we do not know. And so what our relationship is to a specific neutral being is really more representative of what our relationship is to all beings. So in wishing for the happiness of a neutral being, I mentioned this in the guided meditation, um, no, I think I'll step back a moment too, just to kind of fill in. Um, um, I didn't mention this in the guided, but I've mentioned it in previous weeks, that in connecting with your beings and wishing them each wish, we can sometimes kind of envision, sometimes imagery can be helpful for us in the metta practice. You're welcome to really be creative in the metta practice. You can just say the phrases, and for me that was... A kind of an easy way to start uh, just saying the phrases and perhaps using the person's name to connect with the, 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 the person. But sometimes we can imagine, and with my dear friend, um, you know, my friend is an artist, and, um, and I could envision my friend in their artist studio, and that is a place I know them to be very happy. So that kind of in the may you be happy, you know, that image of, the, of my friend making art inspired that kind of sense of, yeah, 
you know, may, may you be happy. You know, so, so sometimes imagery can help us really connect to the feeling a little bit help and, and support kind of the sense of that care or connection. So with a neutral person, we don't get those specific images because we don't know, you know, specifically what makes them happy. But we can through our own, um, you know, knowledge of just general human nature, what makes for a happy life, having loved ones that care for you, that, you know, just, um, you know, and, and so I, I would, at times I would envision uh, my neutral being, like, just making up uh, family and friends and envisioning them on a picnic with kids running around playing, and it was just like a happy family event that was supportive for me. You know, just like some, some almost general, generic, happy family event that I had participated in uh, in my life. And, um, uh, you know, that that could be expressive of an image for a neutral person, somebody that we don't know well. And so with the, the neutral person, again, we're connecting to more human, um, just the general happiness that's possible when we're human. And again, noticing when we make this wish with a neutral person, what happens? So I'm curious if anybody's willing to share, you know, you did nod that there were some differences with neutral person and with the uh, other beings. What, what, were, what, what did you notice with the neutral person? What kind of experience was it like for you? Anybody willing to share? And using the mics if, if you, yeah, go ahead. <coughs> I just felt kind of embarrassed because I feel like I shouldn't... I feel like thinking about people sometimes intrudes on them. Mm. And so, you know, people are already your close friends and everything. Well, you know, that's that's normal. But a specific neutral person, they think like, they don't belong there. <laughs> um, so so n- noticing that feeling and just can you hold that, you know, to... to it's, um, I think, holding somebody in your heart with well-wishing it's a different kind of yeah, thing. So yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that sense of, oh, is this appropriate, you know, just noticing that as a kind of a, a maybe it's almost a little bit of a, a fear almost of, yeah. of connecting there. Yeah. And <coughs> it, it can be really interesting. There's a story uh, from Kamala Masters. <coughs> um, she's a teacher in our tradition, and uh, she spent... Uh, long stretch of time doing metta practice on one retreat and for her neutral person she picked the postal worker in her in her post office and um and when she came uh in to the post office after her retreat um her the postal worker lit up and smiled at her and said oh it's so good to see you again i haven't seen you in a while and kamala's like this had never happened before and then she thought, oh, it was the meta practice. <laughs> so, you know, there is a way in which it can create a connection, you know, that it's, it's interesting. And, and, and some of that, I think, is just like, you know, I, I, I don't know what was going on there, but I can imagine, you know, Kamala's face kind of lighting up and seeing the, the person that she'd been wishing this metaphor. And there's a responsiveness to that. You know, the openness and connection that's coming from us is responded to. 
So it can have that effect where it, it's like, you know, you see that person and they're suddenly smiling at you. It's like, whoa, are they reading my mind? Well, they're probably reading your being, you know, your, your, your kind of how you are with them. Because it softens our hearts with respect to these beings. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Any other, any other um, uh, comments about what you noticed? Yeah. Hi. Um, <laughs> I was picturing the the barista at Starbucks, <laughs> so I have no idea about their life. Um, so, in addition to this, like this natural, uh, a desire to connect, actually, and a looking forward to uh, seeing them again, I also noticed this instinct to nurture. Mm. And kind of a wish that I could somehow promote uh, their well-being. Uh-huh. And th- this image came into my mind of, say, like a, a little flower in your backyard that happens to be growing wild. And you sort of decide to tend to it and do all the little trimmings and clippings and feedings. So... I'm not really sure what to do with that instinct because we can't go around the world imposing ourselves on strangers. Right. <laughs> and so, yet and yet the story of what I I um shared about Kamala, I mean it's like one way to support the well being of another person. Like somebody working at Starbucks as a barista, you imagine what they get customer to customer to customer to customer, right? Sometimes just dismissiveness, ignoring, sometimes, you know, outright berating, and sometimes a little bit of connection. Anytime there's a kind of, like, eye contact, you know, it doesn't like you have to, don't have to force yourself on them. But even just a smile is a way to promote somebody else's well-being. And you can play with this yourself. I've seen, um, I, I did this practice at one point where I was walking through the neighborhood at the, about the same time every day and saw similar people. And so they got more familiar with me and I got familiar with them. And um, um, I would smile. If they were looking at me, I would smile and they would smile back. And I began to notice that that returned smile um, made me so happy. You know, it's like, when you actually are aware of the effect of a smile, I was like, I even decided to time it. Like, how long did it last? You know, it lasted about 40 seconds, that happiness of just, just receiving that, that smile. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a way of tending to people to just, in the most basic of human ways, be connected and caring in those exchanges. Yeah. So you don't have to also think of it's, it's like you don't have to think of that as inappropriate. Now, now giving doing something more like imposing themselves that's that's you know that's probably beyond. But but you know just the human like you know a smile and a connection like that. That's not I don't think of that as imposing. That's just the human the human connection. And what happens there? Yeah. And and how does it affect you also? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. Anything else anybody want to share about the noticing with the neutral person? Yeah. <clears throat> um, for me, 
and I chose baristas too. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they're, the the one I chose first for some reason. This other guy wanted to be there, so or I wanted him to. So, um, so he came in more naturally. So that. And that's useful. It's, it's helpful when somebody wants to kind of come in naturally. Just, just honor that, trust that, because that's probably where the, the connection is more easy. Okay. Um, one thing is hardly, I don't know if anybody is totally neutral. <laughs> that's sometimes what we notice, actually, because we have, um, you know, certain, like, conditioning around various body types, various facial features, you know, all kinds of different things we have conditioning around. And so you may notice that there's a little bit more, ooh, like that person a little more, you know, you know oh, like that person a little less, and even though we know nothing about them. Yeah. And so, yes, that's that's actually useful to see also, you know, but but that that kind of non-neutralness of somebody you don't know is probably coming from our own conditioning. So that's useful to recognize. Okay. Um, and the other thing is... Um, okay, so the, the neutral person was more innocent, like in wishing him happiness and health. And like my, my friend, I, I had ideas about what she might need to be happy, whether it's just my view or, or true... And um, also ways that I might contribute or not contribute to her happiness. Yes. Whereas the neutral person, I didn't really have any of that. It was, you know, it was sort of neutral. The wish was more open-ended in a way, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It just seemed a little more innocent in ways. Yeah. And sometimes with that innocence in a way, I mean, it depends. I mean, I'm curious, did anybody find it easier to do metta for the neutral person? So, yeah, some, yeah, I also, I think, you know, and, um, and that's because for me, the specifics, you know, my own orientation is towards aversion, you know, that's when, when I kind of look out there, it's like, you know, I notice the things that are problematic. And so as soon as I bring a friend into mine, it's like, yep, that thing and that thing and that thing and that thing, there were things that were kind of problematic. And, and so with the neutral person, there's much less of that for me. And so sometimes it can be easier in a way to wish them well on this human level. And I think that's more what you mean by the neutral. It's just, it's not specific to them, but it's just kind of what, what does a human being appreciate? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Anything, anything else? Anybody have just like boredom? Like, you know, well, go ahead. Yeah. I didn't have boredom, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought the, the visualization of the people that I knew was very strong. So I could envision them joyful or happy, not even my role in it, but, or, um, my friend actually has MS that I envisioned. Mm-hmm. And um, there are joyful moments, but at the same time, the health, I envision her, but healthy as she can be in yes. circumstance. Yes. So they're very real and very vivid. And I thought what was fascinating about the person I didn't know is I, it was a teacher of my kids who I just know through minimal interaction. And... Um, their life became more broad because I see them mm. in a very specific mm. way. Yes, not oh, that that's I don't beautiful. know. Not yes. that I don't know. They don't have a broader life. I, 
I just don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And so I could make up what their life was like versus knowing. Yes. So it was a very, it was a fun exercise. What did it feel like to broaden your view of that teacher? It was, it actually was exciting. It was, um, it made me happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of yeah, what the so meta practice can do. Yeah, so yeah. it was, um, and there was no reason for me to think of any health issues or any, yeah. any of the baggage stuff that we have right. and we deal with with people we really know. Right, um, yeah. So it was very distinct, and it was, it was very broadening, uh-huh. I thought, yeah. adding that person in. Yeah, great, thank you. Anybody else want to comment about the neutral person? Okay, so um, sometimes it doesn't sound like any of you particularly had this, although I'm curious. Maybe you could just raise hands. Sometimes there can be boredom or it can be hard to connect because there's less of a sense of knowing the person. You know, So it's just like it, your mind just kind of goes blank. It's almost like... And so nobody had that kind of sense with the with the neutral person. So that occasionally happens. You you had that a little bit. Easily distracted. Yeah. Okay. And that can happen. Yeah. Definitely. It's like it, it's got less juice sometimes. So it, it it holds your attention a little bit less. So that definitely can happen. And so you know when that happens, you know just just holding that again. This is the natural. Whatever is arising for you is the natural response of your conditioning to exploring this wish. And again, with um, I think we've explored this each time. If it gets too difficult with a particular being or if you're too distracted, sometimes we can go back to an easier being, kind of get the, get the juices going again and then slip the neutral person in, explore it a little bit more. Um, so I'm curious, are there any questions at, uh, at this point, any comments or questions that you want to reflect on about anything you experienced in the metta practice or I kind of that. is the mic on just see if the green light is on I noticed that I think for me it's I'm kind of a, a loving person out there. I, I kind of love humanity, except when they irritate me. Um, <laughs> and in some respects, I found it harder to do for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at the, I, I, after thinking about it, I thought, hmm, I can love them, but am, what's happening here? Yeah. And that's in our culture... That is very common. I was definitely in that camp. Anybody else in that camp? Yeah. Yeah, so you're not alone. Um, and it's, it's, I would say it's not a person, in, in some ways, in many ways, it's not a personal conditioning. There's some cultural conditioning in that way. So um, noticing that in some ways we can, you know, just explore where is, different ways in, in effect of, of connecting to that for ourselves. And for, and, and for myself, actually, the metta practice was really challenging as a whole. You know, I would start doing the metta practice and I would just end up feeling like I had this steel band around my chest and my head. It was so painful. I, could, I couldn't even remember the phrases. 
And so there were long chunks of time where I just simply didn't do it. And, and for me, in many ways, the avenue towards metta, and I'll repeat this, I think I've said this last, the last few times, but the mindfulness practice is itself a way of cultivate, cultivating metta for ourselves. Because what we're doing in the mindfulness practice is allowing what's here to be here. That's the whole exploration. Now, we, we often don't. We have aversion and judgment about, you know, like the thought arises, like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking, come back to the breath. That's not got the quality of metta to it. But we do explore the possibility of like, oh, there's a thought. Oh, and I'm back now. And what's here? And, and so kind of inviting or welcoming whatever is here to be here. And that's a form of metta practice in, in some ways. Sometimes I use the word allowing for mindfulness practice. We allow what's here to be here. And that allowing has the quality of accepting ourselves exactly as we are. And that is in some ways a definition of what we want from others, right? When we we want to be loved, we would like to be accepted for exactly how we are. And so we can, we end up kind of doing that for ourselves in our mindfulness practice. And so, for me, the avenue towards metta for myself was the mindfulness practice. And over the course of many years of doing that, it kind of snuck up on me that I had this wish for happiness for myself. And um, at one point, a teacher asked me to try the metta practice again, and I did. And I was like, oh, wow, it's actually possible. Yes, I do want to be happy. <laughs> I do want to be happy. And, and so I'd make that wish and there would be this, like, this resonance of, yes, that is the wish. And so sometimes the avenue towards well-wishing for ourselves is the metta practice. And that was true for me. But there's also some other ways to play with uh, metta practice um, uh, to, to just explore the possibility. It's kind of almost indirect. Another thing I found happened for me, as a, a teacher expressed at one point, you know, have your benefactor, have your easy being sitting in front of you and imagine your, your easy being wishing you well. Sometimes we can do that, you know, as, or, or somebody that you know cares for you. And immediately I thought of my mom and, you know, her wishing me well. It's like, yeah, I can imagine that. I know my mom wants me to be happy. You know, she says it all the time, you know. So, so just imagining that, you know, just like my mom wishing me well. I could receive it from that, that image, you know. So, so um, sometimes when we think of, th- th- there's the distinction in a way when we're offering metta, you know, when we're, we're doing the metta practice, we're offering the metta. It's ascending of metta. In, when we're looking at it for ourselves, we are both sending and receiving. And sometimes we get kind of stuck on the sending side. And so this indirect approach can help us to envision receiving it. Another way that has been helpful for me in doing the, the um, uh, Metta for self. And this was an interesting, this one came through a practice with Bhikkhu Analio, a metta practice. And, um, and I don't know that he actually said it, but it, it's what it evoked in me. And he, he said, you know, just allowing the metta to be in the center of your heart, this wish of well-being, um, as sending it out. It was kind of a sending out of metta to other beings. But... Um, 
was like, it starts inside this sending out. And, and um, it, was a, it was kind of an envisioning of a radiation of the feeling. And instead of feeling like it started somewhere out here and radiated out, I began envisioning it like starting in the center of my heart and radiating out through my own tissues, through my own like heart and lungs and skin and all of that, just kind of bubbling through. And that had a really interesting effect, you know, to kind of recall um, that I'm essentially a recipient or I'm not only sending this, but when I'm sending to all beings, I'm also one of all beings. So that sense of it's easy to send metta to, to kind of the, the random person, you know, like just envision yourself as one of those random people. You are, you know, one of the beings on this planet. And so in some ways, sometimes I found remembering that I am one of all beings was also helpful. So those are a few thoughts or reflections about that uh, possibility of cultivating it for ourselves. Yeah, thanks. Other comments or questions? Yeah. Um, I did want to say I've had trouble with the self-meta too, and I actually felt in the last few weeks I've noticed at times it's growing, and I, I always thought, wow, this, this is getting more. I wonder if it's the meta practice. <laughs> but, um, Oh, so when you say the near enemy, um, you've said it's like an unconditional wish? That metta is an unconditional wish. The near enemy is a more attached Attached, wish. Um, Other teachers I've heard say it's um, romantic kind of love. That's a flavor of... That's a flavor of the near enemy, but there's multiple. You can have that near enemy come up even with somebody you wouldn't be romantically attached to. Okay. It could be, you know, just like, yeah, uh, you know, I'll care for you as long as you'll, like, you know, you know, like, I'll I'll help you if you help me. It's more that kind of like, transactional okay. almost. Yeah, so it does, that, but the the romantic love is definitely a flavor of, well, yet romantic love does not have to have the quality of neediness or greediness or stickiness. That connection, uh, you know, because sometimes the romantic love can be a real doorway to that that quality of, of metta. Mm-hmm. I had that, I, I think I told this story last week, a kind of a, an unrequited love a couple of weeks ago when I was here. I had this, this unrequited love. And so it was romantic. And wish, I wished for that person to have the feelings back for me, but they didn't. And so I was kind of exploring the, the feelings there. And, um, and, and kind of like there was this chopping off of like my own feelings or wishings for well-being for that person because... Uh, I felt like it was un- wasn't appropriate to feel that feeling of romantic love for somebody who didn't feel it in return. And yet what that was also doing was cutting off the flow of the well-wishing in general. And at some point I just kind of, well, what am I afraid of for wanting this, you know, to, for having that feeling, that romantic love feeling or whatever it was, and just kind of there was, in the seeing of that fear it let go and it turned, it transformed into metta. And so the, you know, I, I think 
the, the romantic love can be a doorway for us too. So I wouldn't like, like try to set it aside. It's, it maybe has some stickiness in it, you know, some kind of, oh yeah, you know, may you, you know, like I did, you know, I, I wanted that person to, to love me back and there was a kind of like chopping off of the feeling of care when I felt like it wasn't appropriate because that person didn't have the same feelings for me. But then when the fear went away and there was just like, yeah, I'm not, what, what am I afraid of? It's just like that romantic love just transformed. And so it was like the stickiness fell out of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I wouldn't be afraid of romantic love in this exploration, you know, just, just holding it and noticing the relation, notice what you want from the person, where the, where the fears are, where the holdings back are. And it's, it's kind of like, for me, that, that part just began to, to weaken as it was seen. So it's like, yeah, I'm okay, in the closet with this one. Yep, there's fear. There's a lot of messiness with this. But yeah, I'm just in the closet with it. And somehow the being in the closet with it is like, you know, taking that... Webster thing and clearing all the cobwebs out and then it's just like that wishing of, of happiness so yeah thanks for that that comment sure thank you yeah uh-huh. so do you think the awareness um, that arose that you were in the cobwebby closet and having some fear um, helped it to, just the awareness itself, helped it to dissipate. That was the experience, yeah, when, when the fear was really noticed. I mean, it's like the fear was underground, and there was kind of the sense of, it doesn't feel appropriate, it doesn't feel appropriate, and then there was like, oh, there's fear here. And just the seeing of the fear, the mind recognized, well, that's kind of like, it, didn't, it, it almost didn't even dissipate. It just was the seeing of the fear. The mind recognized, what is there to be afraid of? And so that fear fell away. It just fell away really quickly, actually. And the feeling of the, of the connection was left. So it was absolutely the awareness of it that led to that. And, and, and this has been my experience over and over again with mindfulness around difficult experiences is that the mindfulness the kind of the willingness to know it brings a transformation sometimes quickly like that one you know that was an amazing experience it's one of the few it's one of the like really transformative moments of my life that experience that I described Um, because in that moment I, I, I think I told this last week you know in that moment that that recognition of the feeling of just like from here wishing well for that person, the, 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 the kind of paradoxical recognition is, oh, this is the feeling I've been looking for, wanting somebody to give to me. And actually, nobody can give this feeling to me because this is generated here and is sent out. And, and it was like, that was a transformative moment in my life. It's like, I've been looking in the wrong place for happiness. So, you know, and, and that definitely came through the awareness, the mindfulness. And over and over, I've seen this transformation happen that way. Sometimes it happens quickly like that. Other times, it's a very long, kind of gradual wearing away, a kind of a, yeah, there's a, an image that the Buddha uses around the path of practice. Um, and we could use it for the metta practice, too, I think. You know, he describes the way the path unfolds. Um, 
in a, in a kind of a gradual, moment by moment, drop by drop, just gradual wearing away of all of these things that are in the way of our heart being open and caring and connected. And I use this image of a ship um, that has been in the sea and it's kind of being decommissioned and it's you know coming out and sitting on dry land and and um, you know in the you know maybe the Maybe it's even a shipwreck and the parts of the ship are kind of strewn along the beach. And over the course of months, the water, the sand, the sun, the wind wear away on those parts of the, of the ship. And in particular, it, it, he mentions the rigging, the rope. And, you know, the rope is kind of like this intertwined. It's very evocative. The rope is very evocative of our attachments to things. You know, lots of different threads wound in together. And, you know, um, and yet this, this rope sitting on the beach over the course of months, every time the wave washes over it, well, it gets a little weaker. It sits in the water for a while. It gets a little weaker. More like... The, the sun more uh, the, the, the sun landing on it and and it drying out and then the water coming back and it getting more worn away and you know if you look at that rope each day you're not going to see much change but months and months and months go by you maybe go along that beach and try to pick up that rope and it just falls apart this is the way the Buddha describes our path unfolding he says that the sun, the sand, the wind, the water is kind of like the, the mindfulness of our experience, of our difficulty. And so sometimes, sometimes it's just a little tiny grain of being able to be, yep, oh, there's fear here. Okay, can I hold that? And we don't notice much difference. And sometimes we see that fear come up and it's like, it just falls apart. So this kind of gradual nature of the path uh, it's, it is truly the the way mindfulness works. You know that that kind of allowing, accepting. We could say loving awareness, bringing in the meta to the mindfulness. That has a transformative effect on us. It's just quite. It's quite amazing, actually. And it's time to stop. So next week we get to try the difficult person. <laughs>